record. The tavern, the tavern in question. question. Oh Jesus, that sounded terrible over here. See, I'm assuming I'm assuming this is what Tigger deals with like every week. So So to skip by that, we're gonna hit the music. Who are those fellas down at the end of the bar? Those are the McGlynn boys. It's best to just let them be and listen to what they gotta say. Ask if you must, drink if you want, and disregard the rules, because this, this is the tavern in question. And we are... Back. Hello, friends. It is the Tavern in Question once again. Now, for the normal podcast listeners, I'm assuming that you're like, who the hell is this person talking? Because it's not the angelic voice of Ian. It is the more nails on a chalkboard voice of Josh. Well, for those who don't know, Ian is out for the night and we're going to keep it going. And so tonight I have the absolute pleasure of having a guest host. Mr. Chance from the Strive Seek Fine podcast is sitting in for Ian. Chance, thank you so much. And how are you doing this evening tonight, sir? Doing great. Really appreciate being on. Well, obviously, fan of the show. Usually, I'm sitting in the audience uh, shooting darts at you guys by this point. Oh, yeah. And, and we enjoy every second of that, let me tell you. Because uh, Joe usually is in there, but he uh, he hasn't been for a while. And that's okay. He's got his own thing going on. And so the fact that we have somebody in there who who keeps poking at us is is okay, and there's there's a uh, there's nothing wrong with that, and we're we're glad that it's you. I mean, it could be somebody we don't know, and they're just complete assholes about it. Fair, but you know, don't you know? <laughs> don't know where that came out. That sounds like more your part of the country than mine. Right? Uh, yeah, Michigan definitely uh, holds hold to some assholes, so. But we're not oh. going to talk about that. <laughs> I was thinking the hot dish. That's nearby you. That's a lot closer to you guys than, uh, than than Idaho. And we have our share of assholes as well. Okay. I mean, but, like, I assume your your assholes are more, like, creepy, like, country assholes? or It's interesting. We have a – let's just say when we make the national news, we make the national news. <laughs> Lieutenant Governor speaking at an alt right conference, oh. that kind of shit. That that that's happened in the last two years. Oh Jesus! Well, hey, fair enough. But you know what? I think it is time we head over to the news desk. Are you ready, my friend? Let's do this. A crime beyond any other crime known to man has struck in England. Up to about $48,000 worth of Cadbury eggs has been stolen. Yes. Candy has been stolen. Apparently, Cadbury eggs are, uh, are a, a hot commodity right now. And sure enough, an individual felt like it was absolutely necessary to uh, break in and 
not just steal some, but steal a truckload of Cadbury eggs plus other uh, chocolate items from this particular distributor. Uh, this individual has been uh, apprehended by the police, and apparently um, he already entered a plea deal of guilty, which, I mean, you got caught with the truck, so you don't have a whole lot of room to say that you're not guilty. But he is uh, looking to be sentenced next month. Now, my question from this going away is how much do you have to like Cadbury eggs to steal $48,000 worth of them? He thought he was helping the Easter bunny. Uh, is that helping or is that uh, more of a, I mean, I oh, fuck, I don't know. Cause like this, this kind of hits two ways. He either stole it because one, he is a, Hella big uh, uh, Cadbury egg fan, which I hear uh, England thinks that theirs are better than ours, in my opinion. I don't even like them. Um, I think it's a weird texture thing, and the flavor isn't that great. (laughs) So my my only assumption is that he stole them to fucking jack the price up and then resell. And, And if that's your side hustle, that's your side hustle. But unfortunately... Oh Jesus! I, what the fuck is that? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> my bad. So I forgot we had a a fucking uh, alert on our on our streaming stuff. So there's this thing that starts playing. I was like, fuck! I didn't touch any buttons. But sorry, Ian will edit this out, so we're not going to worry about it. I have a feeling that Ian will not edit this out just for effect. Probably not. You know, because he's a bit of an asshole like that. Anyways. So yeah, um, uh, some fucker in England decided to sell a, sh- or not sell, but uh, steal a shit ton of uh, Cadbury eggs. It's exciting, you know. It's exciting. I mean, like, there's got to be a reason. I mean, and it sounds like to me maybe this is maybe he had a very altruistic reason for doing it. Maybe he's protecting the rest of us from diabetes. I, I, that's that's totally fair. I mean, maybe he was just doing some vigilante shit. We don't know. He does seem like one of the top five dumbest criminals on the earth. Because if you're going to prison for, let's face it, he sold the truck. So that's grand. I'm assuming grand theft auto is a thing in England. Mm-hmm. He he, uh, on top of B and E, on top of this, for how much did you say that was worth? Um, it looked like the Cadbury eggs by themselves ranged from forty thousand to forty eight thousand. Um, but then there was also uh, other bits of chocolate and candy included in that truck, so the cost could go higher. I'm I'm assuming the forty eight is the whole truck included, like any product that was still on the truck. So, if you're going to go to prison for what seems to be a long time. Because you'd think you'd steal something more valuable than chocolate. But if you do that, then you go to prison even longer. Maybe this is like a long con. Maybe he's like, okay, how much can I 
get away with. So maybe he does this. He sees how much time he gets. He's like, okay, if I steal this much, then I'm going away for this much. So if I get away with it next time or if I get caught next time and if I steal more, I can kind of figure out how much more time I'm going to do. Or maybe he's trying to get into prison. Like maybe this is like a prison break thing. They should definitely check him for tattoos and like see if there's maps hidden in him and shit like that. I mean, you never know. My question right now is, how did he get arrested? Did they find him in the back of the truck with like 40 Cadbury eggs smeared across his face and down his belly because he dug into him and hit, was going full Pac-Man on this? Or was, he, or was he still in the process of running away? Well, I have it right here, so we can uh, take a quick look. So uh, they identified the male as a 32-year-old Joby Poole was stopped on the highway shortly after the theft. So I'm assuming when he broke in, took the truck, and then went about his way, I'm assuming that people definitely saw him leave and then immediately had police go after him. And I mean, and you're in a semi. Like, and I'm assuming it's a, it's a very identifiable semi. They're like, hey, it's uh, truck number, blah, blah, blah. It's got a big old Cadbury egg on the side. You can't miss it. I mean, like, how the fuck do you expect to get away in a fucking semi-truck? I, I don't think you do. I, I don't think that happens. No. It, like I said, this, this guy's got to be up on the, uh, this is kind of a what the hell crime. All right. <laughs> yeah, he, uh. Some good chocolate eggs. Right. He, he definitely needed to have thought this one through just a little bit more. Um. So, yeah, so that is my new story. So I will uh, shift it over to you, uh, Chance. What do you got for us? Well, I'm going to say your new story wins. <laughs> but I think I'm it, looking to, what? I think it's good for the listeners to know that when we had our, our before recording powwow, we found out we had the exact same news story. <laughs> so my, you know, great minds think alike. So it's, it's, uh, that, that was kind of cool, but at the same time, we are both we're like, oh, shit, now what? And it's like, okay, so who drops it? It's kind of like wearing the same shirt. It's like, okay, who's going to go change? So Chance decided to go change. I did. Though I am sporting Star Wars tonight. D- yes, you are. Right. In, in my, what? Go ahead. In my defense, I'm always sporting Star Wars because I have a Star Wars tattoo. So, I mean, I'm always representing no, you win. <laughs> My article uh, makes even more sense. If you can see it on camera, I'm wearing the classic American beer Rainier on, on my cap tonight. So now I go to this title, a golden age for non-alcoholic beers, wines, and spirits. As we sit here drinking whiskey, my first question is, isn't non-alcoholic wine called grape juice? <laughs> Second off, I, this is mostly funny to me that about six months ago, a friend of mine picked up a well, what turned out to be a non-alcoholic beer, thinking he was getting us a nice uh, Kolsch. But according to this, it's on the rise. People are making craft non-alcoholic IPAs. Hmm. Uh Kentucky 74 spiritless bourbon and Monday zero alcohol gin, a removed alcohol uh, Chardonnay and zero proof margaritas. 
I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to ask, ask the question, what the hell's the point? <laughs> okay. So for a non- There's more, but go ahead, hit, hit me with it. <laughs> so there is a small part of me that can kind of justify a non-alcoholic IPA because I enjoy a good IPA. Like from the flavor, bubbles, like the bitterness of it, there's a lot there other than just the alcohol part. So that one I can justify. But when you start getting into like what are usually like heavier spirits, like gin, what are you drinking a non-alcoholic gin for? That makes zero sense to me. I love gin and tonics. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're great. But uh, I can just, if if we're going to have non-alcoholic gin and tonic, I think they call that a fresh lime squeeze, and you just pour a little Sprite in the glass and dump a little lime juice over the top. Right. I mean, I have I have uh, ice water with uh, with a little bit of uh, lemon and lime juice in there. That mm-hmm. essentially is a non alcoholic gin and tonic. I mean, that that's especially when you get into to harder liquors, or at least non alcohol hard liquors, or whatever the fuck they are. I I don't get it. Don't get it at all. It's apparently a growth business. It grew 20% in the last year, and it's almost a $400 million market. Of course, alcohol market is $200 billion. Right. Um, The one that gets me, the big point, they're pointing at this article as was the World Cup and how Budweiser used it to really push Bud Zero. And I'm thinking to myself, remembering the World Cup, wasn't that as much a function as the host country screwing Budweiser and telling them to leave all their alcohol-related stuff back in the warehouses to the point where they had to send it to the different host countries? It's, hey, here you go. You lost. You suck. Take some beer home with you. But they're now using it as a selling point. Um. The the other thing it says is alcohol a substitute or a, a complement, and I'm probably going to, as I read this and make jokes. I probably sound like a um, a full blown alcoholic. Not yet, not oh. yet. That's fair, <laughs> but uh, it says here that eighty two percent of people who buy non alcoholic beers, wines, and spirits also buy traditional alcoholic drinks. Um, they also say that households that buy alcohol alternatives are overall more valuable consumers for the alcoholic industry, spending at least 160 million more per household than the people who only get you buy the stuff that gets you tipsy. Hmm. Um, I'm, I, I'm going to go back to it. I don't get it. No, I like, and is, <laughs> As long as I can remember, any time that I've been drinking or not drinking, any time I go to a store that sells alcohol, there's always been that one non-alcoholic uh, box in the rack, and that's always been O'Doul's. It's been it's always yeah. been it. Um, the only reason I can think that it might be going up is at least at least for Michigan. I don't know if it's uh, like. U.S. in total, but I know the uh, smoking age went up to 21. And so chances are you have a whole bunch of people who, you know, are 
you know, 19, 20 who are like, oh shit, I can't smoke anymore. I need to drink. Oh shit, I can't drink. What can I do to get close to it? And that's the non-alcoholic stuff. But who who's your target audience when you're when you're building whole businesses over craft non-alcoholic beer? Who's drinking that? And I'm fairly sure you still have to buy be 21 to buy the non-alcoholic stuff, don't you? I don't think so. Because uh, if it's non-alcoholic, I, why can't you? Why can't anybody buy it? Non-alcoholic still has just a touch in there, just oh. a touch. So, I I I could be wrong, but I, I just remember when I was about twenty twenty one a million years ago, uh, having an old duels with someone and thinking, "This is terrible. It's it tastes a hundred times worse than Budweiser," mm. and. Why would anybody do this to themselves? Right. And it wasn't a matter of the alcohol. It was just, it's lousy tasting. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I've ever had O'Doul's just because I've never understood the, the point of drinking something that's like a, a an impersonator for beer. It's like, if I'm going to drink beer, I'm just going to drink beer. Why, why would I go with something that's, that says it's beer, but it really isn't? And it's like, no, that's, that's dumb. Not going to do that. Well, I mean, you've, you've always had the sparkling ciders Mm -hmm. that you give to kids like on new year's when the adults are having champagne, Mm -hmm. some level, I get that, but I'm trying to picture drink, having a, let's say non-alcoholic Jim Beam and Coke, for instance. That'd be so weird. The, the, the flavor of uh, Jim Beam isn't good enough with Coke or anything else to say, mm-hmm. you know what this cola needs? It needs something that pretends to be alcohol, but really isn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, man, like I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. And the fact that it's a, it's a growing business right now, which like I would assume, especially when uh, when COVID went down, that the, the the booze industry just fucking went insane because nobody wanted to be home, and it's like, hey, if we can't go out to the bar and get drunk, let's just get drunk at home. And I think even during the time they approved, like through uh, particular like shopping apps, they approved like alcohol sales and shit like that. You just had to provide a uh, driver's license when they stopped and like before they gave you anything. So. Even those who were like still real weird about going out uh, during lockdowns and shit like that, you know, they could still get their alcohol fix. You know, granted, it wasn't at a bar, but you know, some people s- still need it. Well, the, here in Idaho, uh, state liquor uh, dispensary state, the state declared it a uh, what did they call it? Basically, a critical business. The liquor stores had to remain open. Oh shit. Yeah. So the the hospitals, the liquor stores and the grocery stores, there you go at the height of COVID. That's what, that's basically what you had. And they'd only let four of you in at a time. Right. But there were an, you'd go in there. Let's just say my gin and tonic game got strong and my whiskey. I built a liquor cabinet after COVID because suddenly I went from three or four bottles of whiskey to, Oh, where am I going to put all these? Oh, dang. Yeah, that's Jesus. That, that's crazy. Like to think like that was considered a a uh, essential work environment. Because I remember uh, the shop that I usually go to. Um, 
I'm trying to remember how long they closed down for. Like, the only places that sold booze in Michigan that were considered essential were grocery stores. But then there's only a select few grocery stores around here that sell legit booze. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, some of them just do wine and beer and stuff like that, which I, you know, I expect. But then there's a couple of them. There's a a small chain of them that sell some pretty decent, pretty decent booze. Granted, they they mark it up a little bit, but it's it's, it's not bad. Well, in this case, what you got is the fact that – state of Idaho needed their revenue stream uh, from the taxation on it. So it made sense because they were going to be hurting in every other else, everywhere else, but mm-hmm. keeping the liquor stores open, made sure they had at least one revenue stream going pretty well. Fair enough. So I know around here, uh, the, the industry that got hit the worst was uh, like small mom pop uh, restaurants. I yes. saw a number of those closed down super fast. I think even a guy got arrested because he refused to, to close down. And they're like, no, you have to close down. He's like, no, I'm not going to close down. And, and I th- I'm pretty sure they arrested him. I was like, oh, shit. But I think that is, uh, that's going to wrap it up for uh, the news desk. I think it's, uh, it's about time we uh, head over and see what the bartender is pouring out this evening. You ready, Chance? I am ready. All right, here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the point of the night where uh, we take a few minutes to sit down and talk about this beautiful gold... uh, very alcoholic uh beverage that we are enjoying um tonight we are drinking uh, two different things so i'll allow our guests to go first well tonight i am drinking a birthday present so i was given this bottle last month and it is russell's reserve kentucky straight rye whiskey it's the six year it's uh, 90 proof, in other words, and uh, 45% alcohol by volume. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got it. they have the best uh, write-up on this, uh, which you sometimes get on these. Uh, well, I'm, I'll be honest, I haven't ever tried this till today. And until I read the bottle tonight in preparation for this, I had no idea that it was distilled and bottled by Wild Turkey out of Lawrence, Kentucky. So... More than 90 years. That's the combined tenure of master distillers, uh, Jimmy and his son, Eddie Russell. They hand-select barrels after at least six years of aging, resulting in a rye that delivers a balance of smooth, complex allspice, pepper, and almond flavors. Their experience guarantees yours. Hmm. They paid someone serious money for this write-up. But if you can see here, it is a nice amber... I believe it ranks like a 93 on the and won a couple of awards in back in 17. Nice. But it it has a a a wonderful spicy nose and it is a for a rye, it's a fairly smooth rye. Mm. It, does, it you get the grassiness still but you don't get the the heat. Mm. And so I'm enjoying it. And you said it was a, a 90 proof or a 95. It's a 90. Okay. Nice. 
I was saying, like, in Rise are, are fickle. Even, like, when they're low-proof, there are times where Rise hit very hot. And, oh, yeah. And I'm sure if Ian was here, he would be, be like, oh, well, that's because of uh, science and this and that. And it's just like, okay, bro, I, I don't fucking know what it is. But it's you have your, your hot Rise, and then you have your smooth Rise. Like, uh, um, we've had a number of times it's um, the Wild Turkey 101 Rye. It it's it's got heat to it, but it doesn't taste like or the heat doesn't make sense for it being a one oh one. It's it should be hotter, but it isn't. That that's a super easy ride to drink. And it it's fucking cheap too, which that's half the reason I love it. But that's that's why my my go to ride is generally the old overholt. Mm-hmm. I think it's a and it is a nineteen dollar bottle. Nice. It's it's screw top. <laughs> and it, 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 the grassiness is in your face and it feels like it's, it, it feels like you're putting down Bacardi 151 with the amount of heat that's coming off of it, but it is so tasty. Nice. Very good. Very good. All right. Uh, I, myself, I am drinking uh rabbit holes, uh, boxer grail, Kentucky straight rye whiskey. Um, I'm not going to lie. The first thing that caught my eye when I bought this bottle, I've had it for actually quite a while. It's, it's getting pretty low, uh, was the, the bottle design itself. It's, it's a massive bottle. Like, hang on, I got it. So for our, uh, for our streaming, uh, folks, I'm holding up the bottle and then holding up my arm. And so it basically takes up the entirety of my forearm and then starts going into my hand. It's a tall ass bottle. Like, even though this is good, where I put it on my shelf, I put it in the back, and I can still clearly see it. It's it's a tall fucking bottle. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I had my info somewhere. What did I do with it? Okay, so uh, the mash bill is uh, 95% rye, 5% malted barley. Um, it very much, like, first sniff is, like, immediately, like, almost like brown sugar. But like hot brown sugar, like if you added a little like paprika to it, okay. Um, but yeah. damn, that's good. I should have drank something else because I'm gonna want more of that. Um, super smooth. Uh, it's coming in at a, a 95 proof, so it's like 47.5. What is Bob? Yes, 47. Um, it, man, that's good. Fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting lost here. But it's it's really smooth, um, not too grassy, which which is nice because I've had a couple of rides that are like nothing but grass. Like if, you, if I just go out to my front yard, grab a, a handful of grass, that's what I'm tasting, and that's not very good. But, but this stuff is good. This stuff is very good, and it's oh man, mm. it smells amazing too. I haven't had this in a while, and this is granted I haven't had any whiskey in a while, but this this shit's good. Mm. So uh, Rabbit Hole comes out of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, I believe this right. <sighs> I'm going to mess up the year now. I think got Rye of the Year in 19... No, not 19. Jesus Christ. Uh, 2019 is where they uh, they got the Rye of the Year, which is cool. 
Um, I used to actually have the little tag that said that on the bottle, but it kept getting in the way when I wanted to drink a lot of it. So I kept having to push it off to the side. But minus that, it's this is good shit. And um, I think this one, actually, I think their rye was one of their cheaper ones too. I think it came in around, I think I got this for about 54 bucks, maybe. So it, it's a little more than I like to spend on on a rye, um, unless it, but this is one I have I had been eyeing for a long time, and I was like, you know what, I, def, I definitely need to pull the trigger on this one, and I'm glad I did, because it's it's a great drink, and it's it's a nice sipper. You definitely don't want to, like, pound it real hard or anything like that. Um, I haven't used it as a mixer just because it's so good by itself. Um, I would definitely encourage anybody looking for a new rye to to give it a shot. It's a Rabbit Hole Boxer Grail uh, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. It's very good. Very good. Now I'm going to have to go find a bottle of that. It's it's pretty good. And it's like it, it has the heat, but it's not like overly aggressive like i like i like to have a bit of heat with my whiskey but if it's so hot that i can't taste any flavors or i can't enjoy it i just try to drink it to get it over with i'm not a fan i had uh i had one whiskey that granted that was like a 126 um the first sip i had i got Mm -hmm. nothing but flavor and it was oh it was delicious i'm like oh man i'm like i'm gonna enjoy this so much i go to take my second sip of it and i can't taste anything i'm like okay that's weird and like i completely fried my tongue completely fried it so after that glass which i don't even think i finished the whole glass because i couldn't taste anything i'm like fuck it i'm just gonna drink water because everything else is gone um it just so this this has enough heat without blasting your mouth it got all kinds of flavors and it's just uh yeah this is one i think was a uh this one if i know the friend that got it for me i think this was a an out of state pickup this was a uh, total wine and more pickup which is uh a quick trip over to to washington state to get into nice where they have a little more liberal use of the uh places you can buy alcohol Oh, I I can imagine with Washington, fuck, and then you got Oregon right there, where I'm I'm sure they're even more liberal with that, fuck. Uh, it, that not the not I'm not sure if they're a dispensary state or not, but uh, on some things they certainly are because uh, I I only live 20 miles from the Oregon border and uh, half the uh, half of the big billboards as you drive down the interstate are advertising. Hotbox Farms and all the all of the uh, local dispensaries that are literally within two minutes of the border. Oh dang! No, that's uh, that's basically what it is around here anymore. Where uh, there's there's uh, dispensary signs fucking everywhere. They're they're everywhere. Like um, we live in uh, uh, Kalamazoo County, and Calhoun County is where my folks live, and so basically driving back and forth. It's it's nothing but dispensary uh, signs, and like there's a particular uh, street in the town that my parents live in where I think they they're starting to call it the like the Green Mile or something like that because of how many dispensaries are on that street alone, 
And it's like, holy shit, folks. It's like, come on now. Like, but hey, if people are starting their business, they're making money. Fuck it. Who, who am I to complain? Well, when they changed the, the, that law in Oregon, like I said, 20, about 28 miles away, Snoop Dogg showed up in Ontario, Oregon, okay. which is a little teeny town just on the other side of the board to have a concert alongside the opening of one of these dispensaries. Hmm. I only know this because I was um, meeting with a parent about her, their, their kid's behavior. It's fine. He won't be at school tomorrow. Anyways, we're taking him to the Snoop Dogg concert. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Top notch parenting. But fuck, who am I to say? I mean, I'm not a saint, but <laughs> nobody is. But it was it was just the interesting timing of it all. Right. It made it memorable. Right. <laughs> I I can imagine. Holy shit. Uh so yeah, so we got uh we had uh Russell's, is that right? I I say I've short term memory, so fucking sick. Russell's Reserve Kentucky Straight Rye. Very good. And then uh Rabbit Hole. They're uh, Boxer Grail, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. So uh, those of you either listening or in the stream, go ahead and uh, give those uh, a check. They've they've officially been given the uh, stamp of approval here at the tavern in question. Uh, I think it's uh, it's time we head over to the bar. You ready, Chance? And so let's, uh, let's do that right now. As some of you know, we have a habit of having a particular conversation here at the Tavern in Question that uh, has a habit of uh, getting out of hand, uh, particularly from, from, my, uh, from my point. Uh, those uh, episodes have been called the, uh, the Great Star Wars Debates. Now, this is not one of them. However, we are getting ready for the Great Star Wars Debate, and we're actually, the next time we have it, we're looking to have more people involved to make the conversation a little more well-rounded so we can get more than just my uh, very emotional perspective on Star Wars. However, uh, because Chance and I are uh, big Star Wars nerds, if, uh, if you couldn't tell from, from back here and up here and over there, <laughs> we, uh, we like Star Wars. And so there have been, uh, instead of just talking about Star Wars or talking about the, uh, the particular uh, standard topics of discussion when it comes to that, uh, Chance and I are actually going to be discussing the conspiracy theories that surround particular parts in Star Wars. So he and I have kind of gone through, picked out some of our own. We have one that we're going to wrap up the show with to talk about because we both kind of mentioned it at one point. We're like, you know what? Let's save that. So Chance, hit us with your first conspiracy. I'm going back to the Legends continuity for this one. Um, I don't know if I made this up. I don't remember where I heard it, but it is stuck with me forever. So... uh, if I remember correctly, it comes back from about the time that I'm going full Star Wars nerd here. Mm-hmm. Timothy Zahn released the best trilogy of Star Wars books ever put out with Heir to the Empire. I don't remember the rest of the titles, but I, I have them all upstairs still in hardback. Nice. 
where they brought back they it was they were bringing in the the concept of the clone wars from a different angle kind of the survive a uh the, the outward bound uh mission disappearing some cloning that came out of this and they bring back a cloned jedi master one of the conspiracy theories that came, comes out of this is that obi-wan kenobi excuse me ben kenobi died during the clone wars Jedi Knight and friend to uh, Anakin Skywalker. He died during the Clone Wars and was the person we see as Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously proved wrong by those uh, inferior prequel movies, uh, uh, is OB-1, one of Kenobi's clones. Hmm. Interesting. See, I, I definitely could back something like that because I think it's cool. Yeah. But to what end? Well, it would have required, obviously, uh, there's been 25 years of additional materials and plus a Disney reboot that makes that all moot. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, it would make sense because if, you're, if you've read the original Star Wars novels... Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they described stuff that was later put on film with the like Mustafar and whatnot, mm-hmm. very different. And it would have been easy to say that Kenobi died during that battle with Vader, right? And was replaced. Now, replaced to protect Luke, I guess. Uh, maybe they was just a clone wandering in the desert and just happened to be there with Anakin's kid. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's pretty, pretty well proved false. But it's one that stuck with me because I thought it was cool when I I first heard it. No, that's. I think it's definitely an interesting concept. I definitely think it's um, it has. I think it has its place. Um, definitely before uh, the EU got turned into Legends because uh, it. I mean, Forever was expanded universe, which I have. Um, when the first one came out, they released, I think it's like 108, like 108 comic series of mm-hmm. a progressing story. I have all of those and I've, I think I've read through them all once and then I close the box because I don't ever take them out. Cause I always feel like I'm going to ruin them. So, but before Disney got its hands on it, that kind of a concept would be really cool. Um, I'm particularly fond of um, the Clone Wars, the animated series, because that was still George Lucas's version of or his universe of Star Wars before the the EU got erased. And I think you actually got a feeling of what his idea of that universe would have looked like as you went on. And so when when the originals came out, everybody was excited to kind of do their own thing with it. And and he was very understanding of it. And he was like, yeah, that, that sounds cool. Let's do it. One, well, that's, that's something else. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked everywhere. But I think that would have been... Expected in a Star Wars conversation? Uh, yeah, probably. But I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep it on track. <laughs> I do think that would have been a cool concept. It's very reminiscent of... Uh, the the video games, uh, the Force Awake, not Force Awakens, uh, Forced Unleash, where yes. Vader finds a young Jedi kid, takes him as his own personal uh, 
apprentice kills him, brings him back to be a secret apprentice. And then in the second game, there is the thought of, and they, and they never really confirm or deny it, whether this guy who looks exactly the same is a clone or is the real guy. He is told he's a clone, but they never confirm if he is a clone or not. And that was one of the things that was really frustrating about that game, but I, I assume a similar idea to to this clone idea that, that you threw out there. And, you know, if you look at the, the, the original Heir of the Empire and whatnot, completely different view of what the Clone Wars was. Yes. Uh, closer to what may have been mentioned in the, the original cut of uh, A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had this concept called, he ta- they talk about clone masters, and they talk about the fact that you, they, ha- they had this basically a caterpillar that they had to attach to the cloning to keep the clones from coming out insane. You had to attach this anti-force caterpillar to the outside of the, the cloning chamber to protect the clone from basically coming out completely unhinged because of connection to all the, the other clones around it being able to hear their thoughts and completely different than uh, what we saw once they did the uh, the prequels, oh yeah, where yeah, sure. when they bring in the Kaminoans uh, and they bring in uh, the, the the Republic was actually using clones, not the clones for the enemy, which was always what I thought growing up watching the original movies. Hmm. See, that's that's something with the originals where they never they never continued to explain things in the original movies. Like when Luke first meets Obi-Wan or, you know, figures out who he is, where he says, you fought in the clone wars. And he's like, yeah, you know, like we're supposed to know what that is. Like as soon as he says it, I remember as a kid going, what was that? What, what does that mean? Hold on, stop, go back. And of course they, they never did. And until, you know, the, or at least, you know, they, there was bits and pieces of it explained in the EU stuff, but then as soon as the uh, prequel trilogy came out, I mean, all that shit kind of, in ways, kind of coincide with it, but not as as organized as they made it seem in the the, the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. But even then, having a solid understanding of of what it was uh, definitely kind of helped, for sure. So. Our our next conspiracy theory was a short-lived one and kind of more of a joke one, but I always found to be humorous. And, and when I first found it, I definitely was like, okay, this definitely could be a thing, but because they treated Snoke with the utmost disrespect in The Last Jedi, uh, this one was about Snoke's origin story before they confirmed it was just the Emperor, and they don't know how. But so in a new, oh, oh, wait, what can I say it? Somehow Palpatine came back. God damn it. It's the bane of my existence. Anyway. So in, uh, a new hope, right when, uh, right before R2D2 and C3PO are found on the death star in a, uh, communications room or a hub or of some sort. If you watch closely, because as the 
as the stormtroopers come in, the camera focuses on one because he's kind of like leading the group in, and then he's the one that turns to the closet that the droids are hiding in, and then everybody, you know they're found. The trooper right next to him hits his head on the door as it goes up. Now, for years... I just hear the bonk every time I see that. Right. Bonk. So as a kid, I never noticed that. I don't think I actually noticed that until I was probably 18. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm like, oh, that didn't happen. And sure enough, I put, I put it in and he hits his head. I was like, holy shit. I'm like, that's hilarious. This theory is, or was, that this stormtrooper who hit his head was in fact Snoke. Because if you look at Snoke, he's got kind of a and a particular gouge in his head and that was supposed to be from said door <laughs> and, and i'm like okay i'm like that's cool but go on and so this theory says that once he hit his head he had something like kind of like it snapped him out of like some kind of like psychosis or like you know they were still soldiers and they were individuals and stuff like that so something clicked where he was like you know what maybe i don't want to be a soldier maybe i want to be a a leader, maybe a supreme leader. And then shortly after he found a way to get away and then started to educate himself in everything mystical and essentially taught himself how to experience the force and then became Supreme Leader Snoke. So as as interested in it as in that as I was, as soon as they confirmed who Snoke was supposed to be in Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, well, fuck that idea. That's that's at the start though. That's that's pretty. It's interesting, but that's thin. That's yeah. really. And again, humorous. Hey, very humorous. It's like we might as well say he was a uh, a, sh- a shaved Wookie at some point because we have like two Ewoks stacked on top of each other that, <laughs> that decided they didn't like the way the, the fact that the Death Star came crashing down on top of them. Right. Something. <laughs> and that's something they never talk about. That would have been like genocide for for the fucking Ewoks, where like bits and pieces of the Death Star are falling down on the planet for fucking forever. Yeah, and you notice they uh, very carefully didn't really show Death Star two on uh, Endor at, at all in the uh, the sequel trilogy, mm-hmm. probably because they're like, hmm, well, we don't want to admit those little the, those. Uh, Cannibal, cute little cannibal teddy bears, right? Are uh, probably got wiped out by our uh, galaxy and uh, galaxy changing war, right? But at the same time, I mean, we had to watch some of them die. So, I mean, like, what more did we really want to see of that terribleness? Uh, I, you know, what I want back, I want back the original music at the end of every Turn of the Jedi that I can still before they 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 the special edition it. And I, when it was ooh ee ah ee ah ooh ah, oh, right. I want that back. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was good shit. Like I remember, um, as a kid, um, getting from the library the uh the original score for uh Return of the Jedi on a you know on a CD, and mm-hmm. it had that song on it, and I was like, man, this is so cool, you know. I just you know, but anyway. So, uh, <laughs> fuck. Uh, next conspiracy, Chance. What you got? This is uh, 
one that's come up in it, both in Legends and Disney continuity. Okay. That uh, Palpatine wasn't really truly being just evil for evil's sake. That he was protecting, he was conquering the galaxy to make it strong enough to protect it from a greater outside threat. Now, hmm. in Legends, it was it was intimated in one of the books. I don't remember which one because I actually, as soon as that, uh, and it was brought, reminded me tonight uh, that R.A. Salvatore killed Chewbacca as part of this. Motherfucker. Um, yeah, I was not happy. Uh, but the, was it the, the Vong invasion yep. that he was trying to, that his whole purpose of building Death Stars and whatnot was not to control the systems. It was to protect them from this extra gal- galactic uh, invader. Oh, and yeah. in current continuity, it's somebody from the unknown regions that Thrawn has warned them about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it spoils him as a villain personally, but I find the, the concept at least interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, if let's say he is just evil for evil's sake, if you have any kind of knowledge that something more evil is coming... I would assume you would do your damnedest to make sure you have a weapon that's going to take him out. But then you have to give a good enough reason without causing a galaxy panic that, you know, that, Hey, we got a weapon because it's going to protect us, but then we have to call it something else or make sure people know that it's, it can take out whoever we want to take it out. But, and let's be honest. If it was a public attempt to garner support of a, a before a big combat, he wouldn't have called it a Death Star. For sure. He would have called it patriotic laser thing. <laughs> patriotic laser thing? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh, shit. But no, like... Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, you want it to sound powerful. You want it to sound intimidating to... Whoever is going to stand up to it, you know, so definitely for the rebels sake, he wanted to be like, hey, I got this thing. It's a Death Star. Yeah, that's pretty scary sounding. So don't don't fuck with us. But at the same time, if you have that name floating around the galaxy, hopefully that a a pretty terrible and nasty alien invasion that's coming, if they hear you have something that can destroy planets maybe that would slow you down a little bit, or you would definitely rethink about how your plan of attack is going to go. You would definitely be focused on taking out the singular super weapon with the bad design flaw. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. All right. Next one, it does include the uh, sequel trilogy, so you'll have to bear with us, Chance. But this one, honestly, is something I thought about as soon as I, like, right after I was done watching uh, Force Awakens. It was something okay. that was stuck in my head, and there's a particular moment that definitely made this be a, a thing. And so this theory is that Rey was originally intended to be Obi-Wan Kenobi's granddaughter. Okay. I love this. So... They did all kinds of stuff to introduce this new, you know, wanderer or whatever. 
And so one of a uh, few of the parallels that they tried to draw between the two was like when we first meet Ray, she is in the middle of the desert. She's in this broken down star destroyer and she's kind of salvaging shit like that. Obi-Wan Kenobi spent his last years in the desert. I mean, there was a connection there. Um, but then the one thing that sold me on this was when she touches the handle or when she touches, uh, Anakin's lightsaber or Luke's blue lightsaber, who however you fucking figure out whose fucking lightsaber it is. She goes through all these visions and stuff like that. So, uh, Ewan McGregor did some line reading for it. Um, they had, if I remember correctly, and, and I could be wrong on this, so, so don't quote me, but the guy who did the voice for Obi-Wan Kenobi for the Clone Wars series, they had him read lines for it as well. So there was a connection to to a version of Obi-Wan that a younger generation would hear the voice. They went out of their way and and cut particular lines of Sir Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi. So he specifically said Ray. The original line was uh, afraid, so they they shortened it down. So he said, "Ray." Yes, I remember sitting in the theater and hearing that. I'm like, okay, why would they go to that much trouble if she somehow isn't related to him? And so this theory delves on the fact that Obi Wan Kenobi during the Clone Wars series. Whether it's confirmed or not, definitely had a love interest. And this was the Duchess of Mandalore. They they definitely had a thing. And, yes, they did. And the theory is, is that they had a child. That child then went off into secret because if anybody found out that the Duchess would be shamed, Obi-Wan would be kicked out of the Jedi Order. So they were like, best thing to do is get rid of this kid. So this kid goes. This kid ends up being... One of the parents are uh, the mother or father. I don't remember of, of Ray. And they realize that her ancestry has been connected to very important people and that her life could potentially be in danger. So they abandon her. And so that they are taking the heat instead of this kid. So Mm -hmm. as, as cool as that is, I honestly wish that would have been the thing. I think making her a Palpatine was the easy choice, especially when you bring back fucking Palpatine for no goddamn reason. Somehow. Yeah, somehow you returned. There was one other thing I saw on this that I found interesting. You have all these British actors in Star Wars who are Jedis and whatnot, who are asked, who are using their American accent, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But... Daisy Ridley was uh, using a British accent with Ray, uh, and that was, according to this, a nod back to Alec Guinness's performance at the time. And, and like, I agree with you entirely. Um, Making her a Kenobi and attaching it to that legacy instead of the overused, tired parts of the legacy would have greatly improved, or at least opened up storytelling options that were completely lost by somehow Palpatine came back. Right. I mean, if you're going to bring back somebody like that, you better have a fucking reason for it. I mean, that's 
No offense, that's just lazy fucking writing. <laughs> I mean, holy fuck. But it... Oscar, the look on Oscar Isaac's face. Is it, it's Isaac, right? I it's, believe so. It's like... You can, it, it is. Physically painful for him. Physically painful to utter the line. Like, I don't care how you're acting. Dude, you're like, this is the dumbest line in cinema. And I have to say it. Yeah. it That, that one hurt. That one hurt. I'm like... I'm like this is this is a long fucking movie. You can't come up with some fucking reason. I mean, like, come on. So real quick, uh, Hermes is making an exit. So Hermes, thank you so much for uh, coming out and hanging out with us tonight. It has been an absolute pleasure catching up with you, sir. I uh, I have not forgotten to to set up our next interview with you. So uh, I will I will be sure to do that, and I will send you a message once I do. So. Uh, you are not forgotten, sir. So, uh, back to it. So, yeah, this this was something, like, I remember driving home from seeing this. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, she has to be a Kenobi. She has to. And my wife was like, well, why? And I was like, okay, this, 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 and this. And I was like, these point to her being a Kenobi. They they point to it. Yeah. And and I honestly was sold on that until they confirmed she wasn't. And and I was very upset. Um. Because this would have this would have been a callback that didn't require anything from nostalgia. Like so, Force Awakens was filled was like almost too much nostalgia. Granted, I loved every bit of it. It yeah. it almost had too much. This yeah. would have been a great nod to the original series to the original Kenobi, without it being too much. In in my opinion, because you know she she still got the lightsaber, you know she did her thing. Honestly, if they had had like Obi Wan's lightsaber, that could have that would have been even better because then they could have opened up so many other like caveats. Because like one of the uh, now legend stories was the the Han and Leia's three kids, because they had mm-hmm. uh, Anakin, Jason, and I always forget the girl's name. What's her name? But was it Jaden? Yes. Or something along that line. So they had the three kids. The two younger ones um went to Vader's palace. Mm-hmm. Jason ends up finding Obi-Wan Kenobi's lightsaber because Vader, once he killed them, still had great respect for him and took his saber, had a chamber built for it, and then he had it in the middle of this chamber on a podium. Like, you don't do that for people you dislike. Like that's a that's a that's a um I have renown for this person and I'm showing respect by having their weapon on display. And so Jason finds it and everything. So so if the if the saber had been Obi-Wan Kenobi's and she had been a Kenobi, that that could have completely altered the the path of what of of what we event or what we got, but it could have been two other completely different movies afterwards. Two completely different. Yeah, we kind of avoided a lot of the lazy storytelling that came along the way in the main story points. Yes, absolutely. And the cool thing is that definitely could have brought into more interesting um, story opportunities. You could talk about Mandalore, which would make a little, which would have helped Mandalorian be bigger than what it is. Granted, I think Mandalorian is just doing just fine on its own, um, but it, that that could have been a nice road for it. You know. Just just to add something, you they could have done flashbacks with with Ewan McGregor. 
you know, on Mandalore with, uh, was it, uh, Satine? I think, uh, the Duchess's name was, you know, you could have had these moments of, of great storytelling if you had just you changed Bo-Katan and, uh, yeah. and live action Katie Sackhoff, right, right there into the middle of it. Cause this is her niece, right? Grandniece. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it could have, it could have been so different and, and the way they did stuff and how they did it very purposefully. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the original intent, but because JJ Abrams decided to not do all three consecutively, they didn't have a progressive story. They didn't have the things that they really wanted to do. And it was just like, well, well, fuck. It's like, come on. <laughs> it's like, <sighs> I don't know. I, I think that would have been, would have been a great move for these movies. And it just would have added something special in my opinion. I would, I would completely agree. All right. So you're ready. You're ready for another emperor one. Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> that by the time Palpatine takes over power in the, uh, and becomes the emperor instead of, uh, the Senator slash Darth. Hmm. He's no longer a Sith. All right. Now, so this theory, and I f- find this one interesting because through a- as you go through the trilogy, if you look at some of the timing things, mm-hmm. he is most definitely seems to be violating the rule of two as you go, th- go through the series. Mm-hmm. Well, he has Maul acting as his... Uh, as his apprentice, Mm -hmm. but at the same time he has his hooks into Dooku and is turning him into an apprentice. Mm -hmm. Even as he's doing that, he's getting ready for the next one. Mm -hmm. You get that. And the, the, when he becomes the emperor, he he never refers to himself, obviously as Darth Sidious. He, he, it's always emperor when he is brought back Mm -hmm. in the new, uh, the, in the final part of the new trilogy, Mm -hmm. He is uh, also not referred to as Arsidious. He's referred to as the Emperor. He has abandoned the the Sith teachings in past by how he has gone about his quest for power using the uh, more political manipulations and violating the rule of two. Okay, uh, how about I play devil devil's advocate for that? He could Please. be. So my thought is, so think of uh, the relationship between uh, Asajj, uh, Ventress, and Dooku. Okay. At one point, Dooku very much, at least to me, seemed like, okay, he kind of abandoned the the means of her being an apprentice and just her being an assassin. Kind of like how Grievous was. Grievous was trained how to use a lightsaber and how to fight in the Jedi ways and stuff like that, but he wasn't ever considered a Sith. Now, uh, Ventress had um, force connections because she came from uh, Dathomir, right? Yeah. Um, so she had connections to what they, you know, they called uh, witches and stuff like that, who essentially used the force and manipulated it with magic or combined magic with the force. But then people ask, "Well, isn't the force just magic?" It's like, no, it's it's different. So maybe. Sidious knew from the beginning that his legit apprentice, 
needed to be Anakin Skywalker. That he decided to create essentially false apprentices. Giving them the the ideology of, oh, you're my apprentice. You're my number two. It's okay. But then you have episode one happen. Darth Maul gets uh, cut in half. He falls down a big tube. And he's like, well, fuck, I got to find somebody else. He starts digging his claws into Dooku. And I'm trying to remember. Did Sidious know about Ventress? I don't remember. I don't either. The clone, actually, Clone Wars cartoon is probably my weakest part of the of, of Star Wars because I've watched it in fits and jumps. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I don't know if I've watched it all the way through ever. It it's one where it definitely starts out for a younger crowd. Like the first two to three seasons, they definitely were pushing for a a younger crowd to watch. But then I think that's when they realized, hey, our our viewership is mostly adults and and they want something different because that's when the show really started to take a darker turn and especially with the last season that came out when disney plus came out it it was nothing but heartache the entire way through uh the bad batch and then the uh and following it up with uh the the ahsoka sections was just it was incredible yeah again well well done and people i think are quick to to kind of sign off on it because it is animated, but that is neither here nor there. But so I think, I think he was still a Sith, but I think he had a bigger picture in mind. I think he knew he needed Vader in order to get the type of power he really wanted, because I think he knew that Vader had the passion because you had, you had Maul who had the rage who who mm-hmm. definitely was ready to prove himself no matter what. He was he was sold, he was he was in it to win it. Um he he didn't. And then you had Dooku who came from fucking, you know, royalty. He was he was a fucking aristocrat, you know. He he could handle the political side. He could handle, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and shit like that, you know. You know, Palpatine didn't want to do that because I think he knew he needed Vader. And I think that's I think that's a thing. I I think you're I think he needed Vader, but he ultimate ultimately his miscalculation which puts uh Vader in the uh the lovely breathing apparatus and exoskeleton that we know and love as Darth Vader today. For sure. Was not what he needed. No. He needed he needed Vader at full strength. Mm-hmm. And so, and it bit him. It did. It and I, him. I, but I found the concept interesting when I read it. Absolutely. No, I think I think that's pretty cool that he got almost full of himself in a in a power political sense and kind of lost touch with the with the Sith ways or whatever. I think that I think that's an interesting idea. All right. Let's see what time we all right. So this last one. This one has been almost everything but confirmed by George Lucas himself. The only reason it did not come to fruition is because that this character was so poorly received when it was when he was introduced. And yes, we're going there. We are talking about Darth Jar Jar. So chances are Jar Jar 
was his original name, just like Palpatine had um, an original. It was uh, Sheev or Steve or something like Steve, that. Steve Palpatine. Yeah, so he had an original identity. So chances are Jar Jar's Sith name wasn't Jar Jar. So, so this idea um, is actually pointed out from, from things specifically in the movie. Um, first, uh, first off is when... Uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan jump down to save Amidala from the, the battle droids that are happening. Granted, it could be just bad editing, but you see Jar Jar kind of go to jump, but then quickly do a spin and grab on because he does not want to be a part of this fray. And then after they already start clearing out of the hazards, he then drops down and is fine. But then even before that, he does this crazy jump up somersault and dive into the water with no like bouncing or anything he just does this jump like the only other people you see jump like that jedi or or mm-hmm. sith like you had palpatine do the the jump swirl attack in revenge of the sith you know he didn't like get a bounce or anything he just went and that's very similar to what jar jar did um and he, one of the other gungans jumped like that none of them None of them. So next was uh, when he enters uh, the Gungan city. Immediately, every Gungan seems afraid of him. Why? Granted, if and he if he was really bad from the city, even right, but that was because he was clumsy or a menace. But is who who's afraid of a menace? You're like, oh great, he's back. Not, oh my god, he's back. So there's that. Um, oh shit! Uh, his eyes are very reminis- uh, reminiscent of uh, Sith eyes, with very yellow and red around them. Uh, people argue, well, that's just a species thing. I'm like, well, if you watch a little more, chances are a lot of those Gungans don't have the same eyes. Mm-hmm. Trying to remember the rest of it because that one actually wasn't in my. There's life. Some, there is that uh, scene on Tatooine where he uh, uses what looks to be, if you slow motion it, the Jedi mind trick on the uh, the opposing driver to mm-hmm. uh, get him to back down rather than beating up everybody around. Uh, mm-hmm. What was that driver's name? Uh, Sabalba. Sabalba, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's... There is a recording. It's It's an audio recording of George Lucas where he's talking about uh, particular movements and pieces of how the story is going to go. And he mentions Jar Jar and he says, Jar Jar connects everything. He's like, he is everything that holds it together. Now, after episode one happens, people's uh, appreciation for Jar Jar was non-existent. Um, the, the shit, the, the actor um, contemplated suicide for how much uh, bullying he got because he played a part he had a job. He did his job, and people gave him absolute yeah. They gave him absolute fuck for it, and it's that that part sucks. I Same would, with Jake Lloyd down the road. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he he's in he's either in prison or he's dead now. I'm pretty sure he's in prison. If he isn't dead, he, he's had a rough life. Yeah he 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 has not done well. But at the same time, for the amount of shit that he had to take, I'm I'm not surprised. Um. So I would have loved to have seen uh, Darth Jar Jar come to be because 
from from what I've been able to find that at least again assumptions that the only reason we got a character like Count Dooku was because of the fact that Jar Jar was so poorly received. The it, it would have made the Senate scene where he actually gives Palpatine the power. If he was the either the secret master to Palpatine or the secret apprentice, it would have given that scene so much more power. Oh yeah, I I think if we if Lucas toned Jar Jar down just a little bit and gave and I know he was trying to be subtle, but there is nothing else in that movie that is at all subtle. Mm-hmm. It's everything is a hammer to the face. <laughs> it. I uh, and one of my former students is probably listening to this was the young man who went and stood in line to get tickets for that. And when he and his buddies came back, they said, uh, Hey, Mr. Whitmore, um, we got you tickets since you couldn't go wait in line so that I got into the midnight showing. Nice. So thanks, Josh. Still remember that all those years ago. Um, it, it again, it was an opportunity. I think that, it would have made a lot better story, quite honestly, mm. because they took it. They kind of wrote him out because of that, but he was such a a pointless character for someone that was obviously held in such prominence in the first movie. That would have that definitely would have made for a huge plot twist. Like if they revealed that, I'm trying to think of when would have been the best time. Like they would have had to imply, like definitely given a good implication on that at the end of episode one, if they were truly going to proceed with that, that idea, because I can't imagine like, so, so let's just say for, for argument's sake that Jar Jar was well received. People loved him and everything. I think they still would have changed it because think of like all the little kids who love Jar Jar. If they find out that Jar Jar is the root of all evil <laughs> in in episode two, it would destroy them. They would have been like, oh, fuck. It's like, we loved the bad guy. That's terrible. But at the same time, it's, it's, I would have loved to have seen what the reveal would have been. Exactly. Would it have been in the Senate immediately after the, the, the vote on the, the clone armies? Right. Would it have been... Would would he have been off on making sure to stop, you know, playing the fool and intentionally ruining things for Obi-Wan and Anakin along the way? Mm -hmm. It would have had to have been something, and it would have had to become more and more overt as the movies went along. Yeah. Like, I I always have this, like, what-if moment in my head where, like, you know, I think of of Anakin as a as a older, like basically between episodes one and two, uh, Jedi apprentice. He and Jar Jar get messing around with something, and Jar Jar somehow gets Anakin's lightsaber, and he starts fiddling with it, like kind of like I haven't held my own lightsaber in a long time, and I have an itch to start using it again. And then that's where, like, you get that first, like, indication of, like, what? what's going on here? Like, wh- why is he being weird about this? But then, like, then they do a big reveal where, like, how they did with Sidious where he has his jump, like, you know, come out of his sleeve, which 
hella fucking cool. Yeah. You know, not even like something as dramatic. He just casually like grabs something like off of his person, which ends up being a lightsaber. That's like clearly like hidden in plain sight kind of a thing. And then just activates it. And just this bright crimson red. Oh, damn. That would have been cool. Damn. That would have been cool. (laughs) And it would have improved the overall product. Yeah. Why aren't we, why aren't we directing these movies? I don't know, but honestly, I trust John Favreau and Dave Filioni with all of it. I'm like, do whatever you want, guys, because I'm I'm gonna fucking eat it up. I I can't fucking wait for what those guys do. Can't wait. Oh, I'm going to drop something in there that you're gonna disagree with. Oh damn. Well, before you do that, let's save that for last call. So, it because it is just about that time, and I don't want. Uh, Ian to have to listen to any more Star Wars than he has to because I know as he'll be editing this he'll be like oh my god just wrap it up guys so so as to respect to him we're going to wrap this up <laughs> so uh, that will be it for us tonight ladies and gentlemen uh, we will be back next Wednesday Ian will be back uh, here in the tavern with me and you'll be able to listen to him a lot more than me which I'm sure you all will enjoy because his microphone voice is way better than mine. I try to have a nice voice, but then, you know, my normal voice gets in the way. So I, you know, I make do with what I got. We will be back next Thursday. Chance, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight and talking Star Wars because, honestly, there's very, very few people that would spend this much time just talking Star Wars and even just theoretical Star Wars. Um, I have... I can count the people on one hand and I think you take up three of those fingers. So, um, you know, there's that. So, so thank you. It's been a blast. I appreciate it. No problem. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we are out for tonight. We will be back next week, seven 30 ish. If you watch the live stream, if you are looking for the episodes, they come out on Mondays. So be sure to see that. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That is where we are most active. Uh, we do have a Patreon, but with all due respect to you all, we haven't been doing much with it just because we're still learning how to do all this shit. So uh, you'll have to to kind of give us some uh, some grace with that. We are, though, planning our first Patreon episode, and if it happens the way that I think it's going to happen, it's going to be something. So so stick around for that. Once that happens, we will definitely put the announcements out there and we will try to give everybody links, but it will be a paid thing. So if that's not your thing, no worries. I'm sure the the rumors about that will eventually get out and everybody will be able to enjoy it uh, one way or the other. So we will see you next week, folks. Good night. Oh, fuck. Wrong button. All right, Chance, we're going to stop recording in three, two, one.